High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. Okay, welcome back to the Pod. Ryan Thorburn here with Ken Woody. Ken, the Ducks are up to number seven in the Associated Press poll and coming off a thrilling 37-35 victory over Washington State. As a kicker, how did you enjoy that finish? <laughs> I thought it was great. It was uh, there was some irony and. Uh, some justice in all of it, but uh, I could just imagine what it was like for Lewis to come on for that last kick. Now, he'd gotten two field goals, but he'd also missed an extra point, and had he not made that field goal, that missed extra point would have uh, conceivably cost him the game. I'm sure there are a lot of other factors, but as a kicker, that's what you think. What can I do, or what didn't I do? So um, I was really impressed with what Lewis said right after the kick. Uh, He said, I... I knew I was, I wanted it. I wanted it. And, uh, you know, I kind of remember my career saying, I wish they'd wait, make the first down. <laughs> so I, I, you know, all credit to him because I still don't think the coaches did a great job of preparing him in games prior to that to get the experience to feel confident. But obviously, uh, unless he's making it all up, he is a confident lad. And this game should go a lot to uh, further develop his talent. Um, you know, they gave up. They didn't try a field goal when it was uh, fourth and six on the 33-yard line. And I would like to think that this kid is capable of popping in a 50-yarder. I uh, saw him do that sort of thing at the high school level. So uh, if all this helps lead to that, that makes the Duck offense a little bit more explosive. Yeah, I think that's certainly a great development for Oregon to have a kicker who's confident and now the coaching staff growing in confidence with him had he not already made two field goals in that game if that would have been his first attempt do you think they would have approached that red zone differently or at that point are you just out of options and let's just center this and see if we can win it well when they ran the ball the last time to Verdell on the left side I kind of thought why are they running that and then it occurred to me that they had decided we're, we're not going to turn it over, we're not going to uh, risk a pass or a sack, and so we're, let's get it in the middle and give them the best. And that's the kind of thinking that a kicker would appreciate from a head coach. You know, when, especially when you get down there close, the angles from the hash mark are fairly tight. Not difficult for rugby kickers because they go sideways all the time. But, um, you know, Camden's got a slight uh, hook. And I think sometimes when he worries about hooking it, he kind of leaves it out. And it's, I think golfers would relate to this, but um, I think that's something that he can work on because you always like to see it go exactly down the middle. And I tell you what, he's a delightful young guy. It was uh, it was fun to talk to him after that game. Obviously, the best of circumstances for him. You know, he's kind of an anonymous figure at one point, and then all of a sudden he's being carried off 
the field by these guys. And, <laughs> and, you know, I asked him, what's that like? I mean, it was a physical game, you know, that's two games in a row that's been really physical. And then it all comes down to you and all these guys that sacrificed their body are carrying you off the field. And, and he kind of said, you know, my job's easy. It's just about confidence and, and delivering there. Well, uh, uh, what a great moment for him. Uh, and I, you know, I give the, the teammates, uh, you could see him uh, wishing him well on his way uh, out on the field and so on. Obviously, the team uh, supports him, and that's great. And really, um, this may, uh, his confidence may bolster his head coach's confidence and the rest confidence in his ability. And, and so that uh, going for a field goal is not a concession, you know. Oh, gee, we weren't successful scoring a touchdown, so... No, you know, let's try a field goal. That's not the way. You, you should want to get points every time you get down there. And at some point, touchdowns may be more important than field goals, but we saw last Saturday that field goals at times were more important for touchdowns or the risk that you tried to take a touchdown. So uh, good for those guys. That was a big positive step for the program, I think. Just uh, to give our listeners a little insight into what it's like to work at a newspaper and have a 7.30 kickoff against Washington State of all teams, Mike Leach and the Air Raid. I was not able to go to Mario's post-game press conference because I was still you know, writing a game story and filing it for the print edition and uh, then obviously hustled down there afterwards to, to get the players that were available out of the locker room. So uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to Mario on Saturday night. I don't know what time that was, 11.30 or so he came out. Uh, my deadline was 11.50 for the newspaper. But I was curious and asked him on Monday about before the final two drives, the dr- drama of those scoring drives, they had a fourth and six that, as you mentioned, at the Washington State, 33 up six. So if you do trust your kicker to make a 50-yardish field goal there, you go up two scores. Or maybe you trust Herbert to get those six yards. They opted to punt, which is only a net of 23 yards they downed it at the 10 which is is a good place to down it um but obviously washington state went 90 yards and scored what did you think of that decision right there which uh, granted i think that is a tough decision to make well i understood that uh he was reluctant to take the uh gamble of missing a field goal and giving up that field position that would be uh 13 yards over a touchback so uh, in the end, I thought at 10 yards that, that, well, that's about as good as the defense could hope to come in and hold them. And, and in two minutes, they go uh, eight or nine plays and 90 yards. Uh, you know, there was a pass interference penalty that I thought was really – it was wrong. I won't even say questionable, but it uh, it was wrong. But Washington State just carved them up. And uh, I was so impressed with uh, uh, Gordon's uh, – uh, Gordon Anthony, the quarterback, yeah, Anthony Gordon, and and how he uh, runs that offense. And the thing that that gets me, I'm an old receiver coach, and I'll tell you what, we never liked it when guys would hassle us coming off the ball. You know, bump us, uh, shadow us a little bit, and then you know you can still uh, give a little ground after that, and 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 more closely contest where they want to go. But they had they had guys from right side of the formation, two of them uh, split out wide, who'd come. Way way across and then somebody from the slot on the other side would come way across 
across right behind them and there was a huge gap and uh, Anthony had a, a fabulous little touch a little rainbow pass and uh, you know it's tough you don't see that uh, a lot and they run it they run it to perfection but at times Oregon's offense made it easy for them to run it to perfection so Oregon's defense which was making history during that month stretch there after the Auburn game has now given up back-to-back games 31 points and 35 points but I thought Jacob Eason played well for Washington and I think the same thing about Anthony Gordon he played a great game he's a great fit for the air raid that said what's going on with Oregon's defense do you credit just they're going against elite quarterbacks and and good Pac-12 offenses or uh, has something changed where they're now vulnerable well, the one thing's changed is they played two teams who can score. You know, compare them to Stanford and Cal, uh, which Oregon's uh, defense dominated. Uh, that's a, a big stretch. Now, if you evaluate a defense, you say, well, they gave up 35 points. They were going, oh, that's not very good. But um, uh, Mario did limit the amount of possessions they had. Washington State had 11. They were held three and out four times. And that's you know that's only seven possessions where they had more than three plays you know good for them uh one for uh seven one for nine on third down conversions that's awesome that's uh 11 percent ducks are 65 percent their highest total in the year um you know so there were some statistical things that i think brought a reality to the 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 game that's a little different than someone might have thought oh you know washington state was lucky oregon's played poorly uh the statistics show that oregon's defense well twice they had uh the other team had first and goal and uh they were held to a field goal one time and the other one they gave up an inter they intercepted a pass that's really good and those aren't even the three and out so you could say that out of 11 uh possessions they had uh, only six that <laughs> those were productive i mean that's the way they are i thought the pass uh uh, rush was decent throughout the game they only sacked him once um, they had him running for his life about four or five six times he threw poor passes then uh, and there were a couple times that they went to man coverage and uh, they didn't necessarily get to him but it forced everybody and this is why I think you need to pressure receivers is that all of a sudden the timing we see their top receiver drop a touchdown pass in the end zone and uh, one more where he bobbled at uh, McKinley for the interception. So um, the defense hung in there and made some plays, and that and that was that was critical. And in the end, it's like basketball, and I think you know basketball fans get used to this. But it's you're in a game and you go, wow, the, the team who has it last is going to win this, or at least have the chance to win it. And that's just the way it happened. Uh, there were a lot of Washington State fans after the game that said they just made that last drive a little bit too fast so well that's too bad well since i get a lot wrong on this podcast i'd like you as a witness to tell the audience what i said before washington state attempted to pass the ball out of their own end zone Uh, well i i can't remember although i think it was a little gloomy wasn't it i said if they throw the ball anywhere near javon holland it's a pick six oh yeah yeah well that's it was that's oh okay that drive yes yes fans he he says the truth and And that proved to be obviously critical but javon holland is is a playmaker 
And it should also be noted that they were missing Troy Dye in this game, who is obviously their leader. Uh, I think uh, you know they wanted him to go, but against the air raid, he would have to make a lot of tackles with a broken thumb. They figured, let's try to win this without him and hope that thumb's better for USC. Well, I thought the guys that filled in for him did a great job, and they were down to the third-team guy at one point. But uh, I don't think Troy Dye would have had a noticeable difference on some of the plays we we you know we saw. But I would, Ryan, I would think that you might want to be tied in with Andy Avalos directly during the game, where you can direct him. Uh, there are a couple times. You know, when he's a nickel guy, you can set your formation to get him out of the middle where he can make some plays. So uh, that one interception for the touchdown, he came out of the middle and picked it off. And there just wasn't a lot of out of the middle safety help. And Mm -hmm. I think it's because the best safety uh, is not the is a nickelback. And so they got to decide where he can have a bigger impact. Uh, particular cases uh, Saturday I would have thought at safety but you know that's they have their own strategy for that I'd rather just be uh, Andy's agent in the next few years I mean this is a guy who (laughs) is off to an impressive start at Oregon he did a great job at Boise State and I would guess someday he's going to be a head coach if that's what he'd like to do you know I think sometimes there's a lot to be said about being a great coordinator and having access to really good talent and just enjoying that part of the job as opposed to some of the things you got to do as a head coach although I think that being a head coach at Oregon and Mario would know more than I but I think it's a little more mellow than being head coach at Washington or particularly any community that has a pro team because everyone's a lot more critical about the college team when you got a pro team, especially a pro team that's not doing very well. So Oregon's last drive, Washington State, you know, obviously came through and scored with one minute left exactly. Oregon gets a nice kickoff return from Mikhail Wright, which was critical. But then the one-minute offense, in this case, Justin Herbert was pretty much flawless, and lo and behold, Juwan Johnson, who I've written a story about that's on DuckSports.com right now, finally delivers timing is everything here's a guy they couldn't wait to get out there against auburn he has a calf injury and now he's healthy what timing especially considering jacob breland's out with an injury and brennan schooler leaves the program well if you look at juan in a couple of other plays like the 89 yarder he comes down and blocks one defensive back into another and destroys two guys Mm -hmm. nobody touched um Verdell on that play and it's if if fans you get a chance to watch the replay watch how they block it they have a a wing guy Grant Moyer came down and trap blocked Uh, the the Cougars had slanted right into the play but this blocking uh, scheme whether they called it or I'm sure they called it but I don't know if they anticipated a slant but Cramp uh, Camp Moyer picked up the slanting guy who would have stopped it for maybe no gain and then you got Johnson uh, on the uh, outside, and he did another one uh, in the fourth quarter when they're going uh, down towards the east end, where he came in and cracked legally a, uh, a back and, and provided the impetus to a great game. But yeah, he is—he's awesome. And uh, I would just say this: if you can't have him run a double move and go deep and throw to him. We we might as well just head to the Big Sky Conference. I think I just it's to me that's an element out of the uh, 
the the ducks uh, quiver, if you will. But I mean, uh, Coach Cristobal talks about being physical. Well, the, the the receivers are physical. They block great. But being physical also is running a route on a guy, getting his feet turned, and beating him. That's part of the physical, too. And that's a part that I don't see a lot of, enough of, if you will. And it's just like defensive backs. Hey, they like to get in there and mix it up and so on. And uh, uh, they could do a little more of that. The one thing that I think really hurts the offense and Herbert is not that they need to throw a lot more it's just when they throw there's too many times that it's third and eight it's a passing situation and so you get these stunts and blitzes maybe or they drop nine guys one time into coverage and I'll tell you the or the Oregon offensive line graded out pretty good on the run I don't think so on the pass their pass protection was uh, especially compared to Washington State was poor and that was part of what got Herbert kind of out of sync but he did get out of sync and that was scary because you're going wow how's he going to work himself out of it well Here's the ball on the 39-yard line. You got 52 seconds. Boom. All of a sudden, everything was precise. He was on time. His footwork was great. Ball was where it should be. Uh, my hat's off to him. Uh, it's ironic that the last two weeks, the two opposing quarterbacks have had more impressive stats than Herbert, and yet he's the one who directed his team to victory. So I'm sure... He, he would like it the other way, except for the most important stat is the win. So uh, he got him that, and, uh, you know, thanks to that, you know, the, that kickoff return by Wright, that's the first time the kickoff uh, team has looked fast. And I would think that with Travis Dye only being one of three running backs, that now they got a couple guys, Daywood Davis, uh, get those guys back there and l- let's use their speed because getting up to the 39 was a big deal. Uh, they'd been averaging on the 27, 24 in there. And so that's 15 yards. And if you ask Camden Lewis, does 15 yards make a difference for you on a kick? And he, oh, yeah, let's, if we can get 15 yards closer, let's do it. All right, let's take our first time out and then take a look at the Pac-12. Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, Ken, obviously the big game this week is number 7 Oregon at USC. The Ducks are in the mix for the playoff if, as long as they keep winning, and USC leads the South and holds the tiebreaker over Utah. But let's look around the Pac-12 before we get into that game. Oregon State coming off a bye. Your second-place Oregon State Beavers in the North Division are at Arizona. Another winnable game for the Beavers here. Yes, sir. And they're... The thing about uh, Oregon State that they've got going for them now is they're starting to get the idea, hey, we we can be pretty good. Hey, we are pretty good. And, you know, in bits and pieces, they've been pretty good in, uh, you know, offensively, particularly the whole season. 
Um, but they're starting to get that thing. And anybody who has a knowledge of the football tradition and reputation of Oregon State, those guys are tough. And it doesn't matter. Uh, they, they are pretty good at not letting the one loss record get to them and impede the level of effort they have. So they are in a winnable game. Uh, you know, the, the, the Pac-12's got an interesting conundrum. That one of the key, one of the two key games, I think, in the Pac is Oregon and USC, but the other one is Washington, Utah. And so, um, you know, if Washington, I'm expecting Washington to win that, you know, after getting beat by the Ducks and having a bye week, uh, getting things together. I think uh, the thing about uh, Utah is they have an awesome defense, but they... The, the, you know they uh you can slow them down and uh uh playing at husky stadium especially after a, a loss to your rival i think that's going to be a heck of a game that would be very pac 12 if washington beats utah and usc beats oregon because this conference needs oregon utah both at 11 and 1 to play in the pac 12 championship game that well you're right and uh that would be the best game the uh, the most interesting matchup what would be crummy is to beat you uh uh usc and uh let's say utah win utah wins and so you play those guys but uh no that utah would lose and usc would be the the champion of the south but if you have looked closely ucla is in second place right now and you go hmm ucla wins out beats sc has a tiebreaker in there and so now it's oregon and ucla in the conference championship and and that would you know that would turn the, the country would turn their dials off i think well you would have chip kelly in that game and chip kelly against oregon would be fun and you know a lot of people tried to scoop dirt onto chip kelly this year and they're coming off a win over arizona state and now they host colorado which is reeling once again during the second half of a season ucla currently three and two in the pac-12 second place in the south three and five overall can they get to a bowl i think so I think so. They're just like the uh, Oregon State. They're sitting in their locker room going, hey, we can be pretty good. And the second half of the Washington State game is what, you know, they scored 50 points in the second half to come from behind, way behind, to win that game. And, I mean, they look like a, a pro team that day. Receivers, running backs, DB, everyone just looks so athletic, so fast. And that game gave them a lot of confidence. And the, the thing I would give Kelly a great deal of credit for is that he's not outwardly panicked. And he's, you know, he's put up with the abuse. And, uh, you know, going into the season, they had a lot of de- uh, injuries on defense. And that had a big impact. Plus their quarterback situation, even when Robinson is at his best, I think is unstable. So uh, he can either go hot or cold and... Colorado's kind of an interesting team. I watched them against SC, and they they played uh, lights out and uh, very well could have won that game. So the coach there has got an ability to kind of hold those guys together because after they played Washington State, they looked terrible. All right, well, let's take our final break, and then we will talk about Oregon's big road test at USC. Hi. 
Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Ken, 5 p.m. Fox, number seven, Oregon at USC. In my opinion, this is the biggest hurdle remaining to Oregon going 11-1 and this season. Um, USC... Injury plagued on defense, but still loaded with talent overall. I watched their game uh, last Friday night at Colorado. The Buffaloes had this team on the ropes, but credit Keaton Slovis, true freshman quarterback, for finding all these elite receivers led by uh, Michael Pittman Jr. and pulling that one out. This is a very dangerous team. They are, and you know, looking at those receivers you mentioned, they all look like potential top-round uh, draft choices. You and I could probably throw it around and look pretty good with those guys going after it. But, yeah, USC is a team that I think is uh, – they rebounded after they lost to Washington, and they rebounded after they lost to Notre Dame. And so I'm, I'm not sure what kind of team they have. Looking in the SC game or the Colorado game, they look vulnerable, but they have loads and loads of talent. And sometimes – if you look real closely on the bench, you you don't see a team, at least I don't, see a team that they all love each other. That at times it seems they got so many stars that they might argue over who should be doing what and so on. And Helton, uh, I think, is a down deep a pretty good guy, but uh, the results of his coaching the last couple of years, you'd say, is a little bit sketchy. I think that it doesn't matter what he and his team do the rest of the year. I think uh, they're out to get him, and that's what's going to happen. And the Ducks could help probably accelerate that by thrashing them. But can you get rid of him if they win the Pac-12? Well, SC could. (laughs) (laughs) I don't see it. And I see, I mean, they're one of really three teams that can win this Pac-12, and I think they have as good a chance as Utah of at least getting there. So um, that'll be interesting. Are you concerned with their receivers because um, of what Washington State did? As we mentioned, they they scored 35, and and Anthony Gordon was able to move the ball when he needed to. And uh, Graham Harrell, USC's offensive coordinator, is a Mike Leach disciple. So he's running some version of the air raid, but with even better talent. If. Oregon can't get a better pass rush than they got against Washington State. They're in deep trouble. I, I'm not sure USC's offensive line is as good pass blocking as Washington State's is. As a matter of fact, the Oregon players, offensive linemen, could very well take some close looks at how or- Washington State handled their blit- their stunts because one time the Ducks got their sack, it was on a stunt that they executed perfectly and of one lineman for Washington State screwed up. And the Ducks tried that stunt several times thereafter, and it was picked up perfectly. No problem, no pressure. So uh, SC, I think, is 
they got some young guys up front and you know i'm really uh i'm very impressed by the depth they've had at quarterback they're down to their third string guy somebody who probably just thought he'd be carrying a clipboard most of the season and uh he's lighting it up he's very accurate has not uh, i think about only four interceptions and 12 touchdowns they just i know they're dynamic but they're they're dynamic dynamicism is different than washington states just washington states they just make it look so easy um the thing about sc is they make it look so fast they've got guys that once they catch it are just like Jawan johnson they're like that except maybe a shade faster so uh the duck defense is gonna they gotta have a better pass rush the other thing about USC that's interesting, uh, they're 5-3 and three this year. They've played a hard schedule, but they are a much better team at home than on the road, and that includes blowout wins over Stanford and Utah's only loss was at the Coliseum. So um, I think they're going to bring their A game against Oregon. I'm sure they will. They'll be up for it. I, I saw the Stanford-SC game. Stanford had was right in there with them in the, in the third quarter, and then – uh, had a couple turnovers or another injury to their – they had their second-team quarterback they started who did real well, and then they were down to the third guy. Um, so, yeah, you never know with these kids. Depends probably on which team's uh, girlfriends treat them the best during the week before the game. You know, <laughs> you never want to go into a game when you're broken up or you're on bad terms with your girlfriend. Yeah, both teams have – you know the same stakes in the conference they're in control of their division at the moment Oregon could probably certainly afford a loss and they're still in complete control of the north but Oregon is under pressure nationally if they want to you know carry the banner for the Pac-12 and be in that pact in the uh, college football playoff discussion so the pressure's on Oregon do you think they deliver a third straight dramatic win I think it would be great and I think right after that they ought to have a uh, conversation with Larry Scott the Pac-12 commissioner and say we understand we're carrying the Pac-12 banner uh, we would think that would mean more for the time slots we get for our home football games the Ducks have not had a home football game before 445 this year and that's Baluey, in my opinion, uh, I think the Pac-12 uses Oregon as a late night, you know, an attraction. It always gets good fans, and uh, you know when you see Stanford and Arizona play in the day game, and Oregon, you're waiting till 7:35 to play in a game that almost ended on Sunday. It's just it's not right. So uh, good for the Ducks carrying the banner, and I. Uh, you know, my, I, they're, they're capable of doing it. It's just they got to they gotta play with more discipline. There's way too much trash talking by both teams. And, you know, they got uh, the deep, there were four pe- uh, personal fouls called that gave Washington State first downs. You do that against SC at SC, you're going to lose right there. So that's one thing they need to practice this week in, in practice is turning and walking away. You don't need to get the last shot. And, uh, you know, Brady Breeze got penalized 
for pushing a guy who had pushed him right at the whistle. We'd have to watch the replay if it was right before the whistle or right after. But he put his hand, and it went to the face mask of the Cougar, and he just got a 15-yard. And he tried to walk away like nothing happened. I mean, a guy from Colorado did the exact same thing and got ejected from the game, So plus the penalty. So that you just can't have that. And that's not to me, characteristic of how Mario Cristobal either coaches him or wants him to play. So I'm expecting that he'll uh, really emphasize this week because, you know, USC has a lot of drama majors and they they can be quite articulate in speaking the language of trash. So you got to walk away, smile and walk away because they're just trying to get you out of your game. And if they do, then you're just another, you know, one of those guys from up north who gets plucked. So, I mean, it all starts at the top, right? And and there were some bad calls in the game the other night, including <laughs> Panay Sewell's alleged false start where he just got plowed <laughs> and, you know, was called for it. And then obviously the pass interference that was overturned. But, you know, Mario was flagged for an unsportsmanlike. So, you know, if you're going to ask your players to be disciplined, you need a better jump back coach, right? Well, you do. But on that thing on Sewell, the replay I saw was that his left hand moved off of his thigh pad and I don't know if it was going up to his hip but he didn't do it real fast but he did there was a little movement there okay I don't think it was you know uh, to a threshold to be uh illegal procedure but I saw that now the thing with Mario uh what he did is he he came on the field and he was you know, making his, trying to make his point. And it would, it always, you know, having been a head coach myself, it always upsets you when the official is trying to, maybe he's trying to listen to you, but he won't look at you. And that, that bothers you because you don't feel you get, you're getting their attention. And, uh, but, you know, I could criticize him, but I would say this, that if I was in his shoes, I would have done the same thing. And, and that's not right. You've got to, be able to know, hey, I can't, I can't do this. But further, you gotta, you gotta think, what does this show my team? And it just, he gets a penalty, and guess what? Everyone else is getting penalties, and they might say, well, coach, you know, you got one. Well, there's no defense for that except what you do in practice and the game thereafter. So I'm, I'm expecting they'll clean that up. But if they don't, uh, it'll be a, a long Saturday. Well, I'm starting to get the sense this this might be a special season for Oregon, just the way they've rallied to beat you know their Washington rivals in back-to-back weeks. Before we get out of here, how hard is it to stay on that emotional ride for three straight weeks, and you think they can do it at USC? Well, let's say that you get in a situation where you need to do it to win, and you can draw on the, the experience the last two games. This is what we do. We are a team that holds them on fourth and three. We are a team that drives uh, for a field goal or a touchdown to win a game. So all that's good. It's not like you're uh, depending on it because if you depend on it, that would be a mistake. But just being able to depend on the fact, the confidence that you've done that, um, I think would be a great asset. And what was really kind of interesting, you know, for all the people who've said, well, they're, they're not building up Herbert like they should or not, not using him like he should, that last drive, the, Mario had no influence over whether uh, Herbert was going to be used or not. 
he was going to be used. And boom, 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 boom. Uh, in the passing game, boom, boom. You know, they, he made it look as easy as uh, Washington State made it look easy for them. And, uh, you know, good for him. It's great to know that, uh, you know, and Herbert uh, had had some – you know miss balls and uh the couple times he scrambled out and he should have just stood up you know stood up in the uh, protection in the cup there so he he got himself out of it and i'm sure that if he has some problems saturday he he doesn't have to hang his head he's i've been here i've worked my way out of it the offense has worked its way out of it the defense well they didn't work themselves out of it all the time against the Cougs, but again, what they did, getting two turnovers, four, three and outs, uh, that's really good against Washington State. Well, I have a feeling that this is going to come down to the last drive again, and whether that's Justin Herbert with the ball or Keaton Slovis with the ball, I think you got to like Oregon's chances, the senior leader at quarterback versus a freshman going against a defense that overall has been pretty good this year. So we will see what happens. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you check out all the coverage at DuckSports.com, and we'll see you next time.